You're listening to Trek FM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. Well, hello and welcome to the 602 Club's General Geek Show and Local Watering Hole. I am just one of the hosts here, Matthew Rushing, and here we are with you for the post-game analysis. That's right. Uh, I am just one of the hosts here, Matthew Rushing, as I said, and with me as she is every single week for these times, these perilous times, these, well, some might say the end game, Christy Morris. All right, so Matt, let's break it down. Who was the winner? Who was the loser? <laughs> well, you know, I've got to say, <laughs> I think the real loser in this one was Star-Lord. But, uh... <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, Whatever, and... he's in charge. Oh, gosh. <laughs> anyway, uh, before we get completely off the rails here at the beginning, we're really glad to welcome back huge Marvel fangirl, Brandy. Thank you so much for letting me be here. I'm so excited. Yeah, well, I am excited too. You know, this is this has uh, been a long time coming. You know, like 11 years and 21 movies. So <laughs> mm-hmm. finally, after all of those like end credit scenes, we we get to the point where we're at this point, uh, and the ultimate SmackDown happens. So um, before we go on, of course, just a reminder: you can find us all over the place, uh, where wherever you get your podcasts. If you're on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Hit us up with that star rating review. Let people know what you think of the show. Honestly, it does make a difference. It helps people find us, you know, because there's so many podcasts out there. So the more reviews we have, the better. So word of mouth, again, in even in the digital age, it means so much. So hit us up with a star rating review. We'll re- read that review out in the show, and thank you. You can also find us uh, online at uh, track.fm. You can find us on Twitter at TrekFM, Facebook at Facebook.com slash TrekFM. Maybe you want to join in the larger conversation with everybody who listens to the TrekFM network. You can go to the Babel Conference and do that. We're talking about all the things we're talking about here through all the different podcasts. Type Babel into the search field there on Facebook. Or, of course, if you're at TrekFM, any of the show pages, there's a little button that says Discussion. Just click that and it'll bring you over there as well. And maybe... Gosh, there's so much to talk about in this movie, so maybe you want to write an email to us. You can go to track.fm slash contact, choose a show, choose the 602 Club, and that will come to Christy and I. Now, uh, we were talking about before we started, look, folks, uh, this is a three-hour movie, and there's literally no way that we could talk about every single thing that happens in this movie. We're going to miss some stuff. You're going to listen, and you're going to be like, how did they not talk about Because it's a three-hour movie. And you don't want to listen to a 12-hour podcast. Um, mm-hmm. And so just bear with us. There will definitely be some things we miss. But that's where you can join in the conversation over there on the Babel Conference or on Twitter, letting us know what your favorite things about the movie are. Maybe you had issues. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you didn't like a certain costume. Maybe you don't like somebody being fat. I don't know. Um, so, <laughs> uh, and I, by that, I don't, I'm not derogatory. It's just a Thor joke. So, um <laughs> We're going to kind of break it down with the the entire movie and do our best to try and walk through everything. So 
I honestly think, you know, that cold open, uh, Christy, we talked about this on uh, our latest episode with John Champion about the cold open we got for uh, Mission Impossible. And I think mm-hmm. this has an, a very effective cold open. And I will say, this movie, to me, starts in a way, and it does something that, for me personally, just me personally, Infinity War was never able to do. It starts out with emotion, and it pretty much continues those emotions throughout the entire rest of this movie. Like, So, I don't know about you guys, but this one like got me in the feels immediately when we start off with Hawkeye losing his whole family. Talk about bad odds. Absolutely. I am. And Dave and I, my husband Dave and I, were talking about that. And he's like, well, how come it should just be half his family? And I'm like, it doesn't go that way. It's like half of the people in the universe, half of the living creatures in the universe that doesn't care who's a family. So, but yeah, um, that that was when I started crying and I didn't stop for about three hours. <laughs> so <laughs> there was always at some point a, a little bit of just ready. But yeah, uh, it it's amazing seeing it in a full theater with a bunch of excited people because you hear that realization start. You hear just these little murmurs here and there and then it builds until everybody's like, oh, no, no. And I'm just like immediately crying. Immediately. Yeah, I think everyone in the theater together was collectively going, no, oh, they're all gone. It, like the scene with him and his family at the beginning, for sure. Um, and it, and I do agree with you, Matt. I think that it does the job of setting the tone for what this movie is about as a whole. That it's like, it it's going to be the hardest thing that all of them have ever gone through. And I love that through this part, though, that you go then to Cap, who is like the eternal optimist, and I feel like is just always the light in the darkness. Like I in this movie, I was constantly going, bless you, Cap, for like keeping that little tiny spark of hope alive when everybody else is just like, screw this. <laughs> He's like the only person that believes there's any way out of this. And I just, I think that it, it does just what you said, Brady, too, that it, it doesn't discriminate. That what Thanos did, it literally is 50% of the universe and it takes anybody that it wants to. Yeah, I think, um, you know, right up front, I can say the first time I saw the movie, I felt like it was a little bit long, but I saw it a couple more times. And, and, and whereas I do think you probably could trim this movie down some and tighten it up a little bit, in the end, I there uh, I'm I'm just comparing it again to to Infinity War. Infinity War was so like nonstop in your face. I never felt like there was a moment to breathe and really feel the moments that were happening. This moment doesn't do that because it does allow these moments to breathe. So here at the beginning, we're feeling the loss. We feel the loss with Hawkeye. We feel the loss with Tony and Nebula on, you know, the Guardian ship. And they have nowhere to go. You know, we feel the loss as um, Cap is shaving off his beard. I don't know if that's the right choice or not, buddy, but, you know, because he <laughs> looked so gorgeous with it. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, you know, you feel the loss. And I think th- there's so much about the beginning of this movie that allows you to really feel those things, which is great. I mean, there are even those quiet scenes where you just even see just Thor sitting there and he's just silent and there's there's this palpable sense that they have lost you know and they don't yeah. know how to move on from that and so 
you know, I think it's it's very interesting that um, I do have to say, at least at the beginning here, you know, when Captain Marvel shows up and rescues, you know, uh, Tony and Nebula, I was like, oh, cool. They're really going to use her really interestingly. And we'll talk about the rest later. But, um, you know, I thought it was a good start for them with her because uh, at first thought, I thought it might be some of the Ravagers, which I thought was going to be cool, too. And I was like, what a great way to have Sylvester Stallone show back up, which would have been awesome. (laughs) Um, But, you know, uh, Captain Marvel saves the day there, bringing them back to Earth. And they have to figure out you know, what they're going to do. And and again, you have these moments where we're just being able to sit and, you know, Tony and Cap can, you know, Tony yells at Cap, you know, back in, at about how he wasn't there and all this stuff. And you really just feel the weight of the loss and how nobody really knows how to, to, to what to do, you know. Um, and I just really appreciate that. I think that the opening is very effective in that way. And... I also appreciate, too, that, you know, even though with them thinking they have a plan against Thanos, that it, you know, obviously we know it's not going to end there because that would be a really short movie. Um, Right. But them all coming together and thinking this is going to work and then it doesn't. And then it's like it's like a double shattering. You know, they lost and then they lose again because they, they have no hope. They have no idea. There, there's nothing, and I just, I really appreciate that. If you didn't think it could get worse after Infinity War, the opening makes it worse, which is okay. kind of great, right. actually. I definitely think too that they, um, they do a great job of pausing for a beat or two during those emotional moments. Um, it, and I do think you know you were kind of saying that too, Matt, that it felt like they were giving more time to that for it to really sink in. And they want you to get that that's what this movie is about, that like it's what do you do when all of your options are gone um, and how do you turn it around um, and and how do you keep any kind of hope in the midst of all of this darkness? Um, and I think that that's something that really to me, I took away from the movie as a whole was that you have to have something to believe in. Yeah, you have to find a purpose because. They're they're all so broken. They're all so broken after they find out, spoiler alert, like anyone needs to know there's going to be spoilers, after they find out that Thanos used the Infinity Stones to destroy the Infinity Stones. It just breaks all of them. Because there's nothing now. There is literally not one thing they can think of that they can possibly do. And they spend... So some some of them spend the next five years moving on. A lot of them don't. And I get that because what they do, they're superheroes. They win. That's what they do. They don't lose. But now they've lost and it seems permanent. And now they're lost as well. And it's just so heartbreaking, especially when Cap was in that group therapy. And I'm just like... Oh, you're saying all this stuff and I can see in your eyes you do not even believe it. And it was that was so hard because he feels like he has to still be this hopeful shining light and he is not feeling it. But to be fair, he pulls it off. Everybody seems to believe him, but he is he is not he's he's hopeless. 
I don't know. I still felt like he had a little something left. I felt like out of everyone, even, you know, like Thor had given up and Black Widow had given up and Jeremy Renner, we know, definitely gave up. And it felt like Cap, though, was the one person that could still go, well, maybe we could do this. And I, I love that they have that moment of him and uh, Scarlett Johansson when she says, if you tell me to look on the bright side, I'm going to hit you with a peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think. um you know, that's one of the things that, you know, Tony makes fun of him for, you know, that eternal optimism, you know, that he, he can't turn it off. And, it, and so I agree with you that it's there, but I, I definitely think, you know, Brandy, you have a point, too, that, that it's been diminished somewhat because he doesn't know if he if there is or he doesn't know how to move on, you know, um, necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can tell other people to, but he doesn't know how. Um, and I think that, you know, that's kind of an important thing is that how, how, what do you do when you get to the end of your rope, you know, and Chrissy, you mentioned that whole thing is when you're at the end of the rope, what do you put your hope in, you know, and, you know, and, and there is that wonderful moment, you know, when she's like, I'm going to throw a peanut butter sandwich at your face. He's talking about, you know, some of the things that are good because of what happens and like trying to find anything good in this horrible, you know, the worst eco terrorists in the universe has finally gotten their way, which, you know, um, is kind of funny. Um, And yes, some good things have come of that. But, you know, I was also thinking of like. I don't remember who I was talking to. I don't remember if it was John Mills or somebody else, but you know, just think of all of the other billions and trillions upon trillions of people that died in the galaxy, um, not because somebody snapped, but because um, their plane crashed because it didn't have a pilot anymore, or all the car wrecks that happened because there weren't drivers anymore. I mean, like we're talking about not just half the population of the the entire universe, but you know, maybe possibly like three fifths of it. Yeah. Because you're just accidental people that would have died in, you know, accidents because whoever was a part of their, um, you know, operating some kind of machinery died, you know, all across the galaxy. So just, it's a crazy thought. And I mean, you even see, um, in that five years later, you know, you see all of these boats around, you know, um, Lady Liberty, you know, you see all these cars and parking lots and, you know, you see in San Francisco when Scott returns, you know, um, all the trash around, you know, and, and just like, cause there's nobody to pick it up, you know, and it just left there forever, you know, and, and like it, you just think about the effect of that happening, um, you know, definitely doesn't have the effect that Thanos wants, which is to really better the people that are left because you know, you take away half of everybody, you're going to take away half the people's support system, you know, and like recovering mm-hmm. from that emotionally and all that. It just, it just, it's, it. and what I love is that we get to kind of marinate in that. And, and so five years later, you know, just thinking about, you know, when Scott returns and he has no idea what's happened, <laughs> poor guy gets returned because of an accidental rat, you know, uh, steps on which is like there are a few parts of this movie it's like I wish they could have come up with something better than just a rat randomly stepping on that because that's <laughs> a little bit but lame. maybe that's their point but you like, know lucky the rat was you know, steps accident. on it just at the right time to bring him out at just the right time but you know when he 
meets Cassie and she's five years older. I mean, it's just like that's another moment where you're just it's so emotional. And and thank God she's not gone, too, because I don't know if Scott could have handled that having everybody in his life gone. Um, but that was one of those moments too, like with those five years later is where they really spent the time to just allow you to feel that moment. And it's great. It's really well done. And I, I so with, with specifically um, Scott coming back, uh, I thought they did a fantastic job there. I agree. I think Scott was our avatar to show us the effects of what happens. So we're, we didn't see those five years. Neither did he. And now he's seeing it for the first time, and through him we're seeing it for the first time. And when he mm-hmm. comes up to that area where there's all of those monoliths with all of the names of the fallen, and I'm just bawling by this point, of course, and he's looking to see if Cassie's name is there, and he's trying to find Cassie's name, and then he sees his own name. And just, uh just there's just so much there's so much confusion that turns to horror that turns to fear that turns to hope and he's just running the gamut of all the emotions with us and we're we're feeling everything that he feels while he's feeling it yeah i do have to say i agree with you too on that point of just the emotional exhaustion after this movie (laughs) because i don't know about you guys but i experienced all of the range of emotions i have Yes, all of my emotions uh, end up with me crying. If I'm happy, I'm crying. If I'm excited, I'm crying. If I'm upset, I'm crying. If I'm sad, I'm crying. If I'm angry, I'm crying. (laughs) So pretty much you can be guaranteed that I'm going to cry. The only time that I'm not crying is when someone's making me laugh. And there was some of that in this movie as well. (laughs) That's what I was going to add, too, is I I think that that's... also sort of the, you know, glimmer of hope is that there are some moments that still make you laugh. Yes. And I think are so needed and would be in that situation. Um, it, I'm unfortunately the way I deal with tough situations in my own life is by making some kind of dark humor out of it. And uh, it, it that was what parts of this movie were for me, like the p- peanut butter sandwich, you know, at least they had something they could laugh about when everything else seems so terrible. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I think that Ant-Man was a great gauge of how bad things were. Um, I do love, like you were saying, Matt, that they brought his daughter in. Um, but I do also like that paradox of it still didn't bring back his girlfriend. And that, you know, later on, it even though they're able to fix so many things, they were still not able to bring back Natasha. That's because she yeah. didn't die as yeah. a result of the snap. And so that means Loki's dead. That means Heimdall's oh, dead. Me- I don't that know means- that means Loki's dead. No, uh, I'm pretty sure Loki's dead. No, I think I think uh I think Loki is very much alive. I think they Well, they... there's gonna be a television series, but right. they could set that at literally any time. Right. But I mean so. he disappears with the the cube. So I think they set themselves up the fact that he can reappear wherever he wants. So Yeah. And it's the I, same, I, I don't know. It, it's the same thing with well, I this would this is way jumping where we are, but you know, just Gamora. We'll get to that question later on. So, but yeah, um, I I absolutely love um, and I, I just re had before I saw uh, Endgame, I had rewatched um, Winter Soldier, and I love Cap and Nat together. I think they make such a great pairing. One because they have a 
fantastic chemistry on screen. They just feel like normal people together. They they feel like they're best friends. And there's kind of there's there's always that like brother sisterliness between them with a little bit more, you know. Um, but they've never and there's just something about them together that I love. And part of that is because, you know, she's kind of the pessimist of the group and he's the optimist of the group. And those that that, you know, opposites attract thing is very much there, I think, for them as well. But just them together trying to find a way to move on. I love that it was them left trying to pick up all these pieces, you know, at at, at the Avengers headquarters. And them kept, you know, him checking in on her because she pretty much has made herself a shut-in. She doesn't leave, you know. She just runs what's going on um, with what they have left, you know, with War Machine and, and um, you know, uh, Rocket and, and Captain Marvel and, and um, Goye from Wakanda. And, you know, and so all of that, she's the one who's who's trying to make sure that everybody stays safe on Earth and, and even throughout the universe now. So she's really putting the whole weight of the universe on her shoulders and watching those two deal with that, I just thought was really well done. And even just their conversation together, it was so well edited and put together. Like it's just long enough to keep you in that moment, but it's not too long where, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it, it was a perfectly rendered scene. Really liked that. Um, and I really love their really, and part of that is just because I love their relationship together. Um, they, they, they work so well together. Yeah. And it, it too is, I like that they have this back and forth um, where she basically, you can tell that's all she has left. That she's like, without doing this day in and day out, then I truly have nothing. So I have to do something. So you feel for her because she's doing it, but she doesn't want to, but she doesn't know what else to do. And she has to tell herself she's making some kind of difference. Mm -hmm. And taking this kind of action and, and running ops kind of like Nick Fury, never necessarily going out into the field so much anymore. But yeah, she she basically took on the whole Nick Fury thing. But mm, good point. she doesn't have any other purpose now. What did you guys think of... So we finally get Professor Hulk. And I'm wondering how that worked for you guys. I was not expecting it. So I had no idea that was coming. And I'm just like, wait, what? <laughs> they went there? Okay. I was actually fine with it because I feel like it was, I mean, it was, it was kind of weird at first, but after like a couple of minutes, I'm just like, it's just giant green Bruce. It's all good. So (laughs) I liked, I liked that he found that in between place where coexistence was peaceful. So yeah, I, I had no problem with it actually. I get why they did it, but there were times that it made me feel like it was a little too silly um, but I, but I like that they explain, you know, that he had a moment of terror and then so did Hulk and they're both living in the same body. And then that's how they've figured out how to coexist together. Um, because, you know, we saw it in Infinity War that Hulk was scared for the first time ever. I I thought it was great that they had him say, no, I'm not coming out. I don't want to. So now, you know, you really feel that. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, there were parts where it felt a little bit like I'm trying to look at Mark Ruffalo, but I can't see past the giant green part. And it just weirded me out a little bit too much. Yeah, for me, I, I, I you know, I knew that 
even though I haven't read any Hulk comics, I knew that was something that happened in the comics. So I was okay with them moving the story along like that. And I felt like story-wise, I enjoyed it much more than the Infinity War story, which I found annoying um, personally. And so I was glad that they resolved the story. Uh, I'm with you though, Christy. And I think more so than it just being weird, it was more the execution that where there are moments where the animation on him is really good. But I would say the majority of the animation isn't great for him. So he kind of ends up looking like a cartoon character next to a bunch of like real people. And that was where it became mm-hmm. a problem is it, it wasn't. And that's a problem that runs out throughout this entire movie. And part of that is just when you do a movie with this much effects work and you only have a year to complete it it's what you're going to get you know they probably could have spent another two years on the effects work in this movie to try and perfect it but you just you're they're never going to give them that much time and so i i for me that's what pulled me out of a lot of the scenes with hulk it's just it he felt too cartoony to to be real in the scenes with the people that he's there with and so it gave it that effect where it's like it's more comical than it should be here um so yeah, that was just for where I was with it. The character move, I thought it was great. I'm glad they finally just went there, you know, to, to bring the two together because I think that creates a whole new fun dynamic. And, um, you know, especially when he gets to talk to the Sorcerer Supreme, you know, and, and I thought that would made for a really interesting, um, you know, conversation and everything where she pushes him out of his body and it's, it's him again, you know, um, and all that stuff. So that was all, all that stuff I thought was great. Um, I just wish it had been the, the, the technical execution had been better. I think it would have helped me. So, well, I'm just at the point where I've realized that no matter what we can create digitally or with models or whatever, if it's not a regular human size, our brains are never going to fully believe it. That's just all there is to it. It's going to look great, you know, like, um, as an example, Kong Skull Island. That Kong was unbelievably rendered from the last bit of fur on him to his facial expressions, everything. But there's something in my brain that could just never fully accept that that could be real because we just don't have that actually on this planet at this time that we know of. So there's always, no matter how good it is, there's always that little bit that's just like, yeah, but it's, yeah, it's not. It's too big. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I think there's, there is that part too, especially when your digital character like that is surrounded by a bunch of real people, Yeah, you know, all the time. It definitely doesn't allow your brain to adjust because there are moments, and again, there are moments where, he is in in a scene like with like when he's with Thor at the house, and there are some moments there is rendered really well, and it's just it it is almost like two people standing next to each other is great. Um, they do the same thing with Thanos a few times where the the CGI is just really good on him, um, especially in that scene where he's with Gamora and Nebula and you know whatever his face is I don't know his name Ma uh, yeah one of his bad guys Ebony Ma. And so, but there are some moments in that scene where he's just, he looks great, but the, then there are other scenes where Thanos doesn't look great at all. So it's just, it's a, it's a part of this movie. And again, I I do think part of that just has, 
they only have, I like, I just know from effects work, if you only have a year to put a movie together with this many effects shots, which has thousands, it's, you, they just don't have the time to perfect it in the way I knew they, I know they would want to. So, um, I love obviously Tony being a dad, like yes! having married Pepper, being a dad. I love that storyline um, because I think that, you know, as we watch Tony throughout all of these movies, Tony's whole problem has always been being never being over able to overcome his selfishness. And here in this movie, I think they finally were able to bring it all together. And we see a Tony that's actually grown. And I really appreciated that because it, it was nice that it finally happened. And, and honestly, you know, for me, for many of these movies, it's gotten frustrating watching the character because it's like they would go two steps forward and then three steps back with Tony. And finally we've gotten to this place where, he's made it and it's great and it and and him as a dad and morgan their kid is just the most adorable little thing on the planet and mm-hmm. you know shirt sure, she's funny so yeah she's just so cute she's yeah uh, we want to adopt that little girl um <laughs> but uh i i definitely felt like juice pops <laughs> yes <laughs> not the other word um yeah i think that they did a good job like you said too matt with uh giving him something more to live for that it wasn't just him and pepper anymore that he realized that even if he could undo the snap that now that might mean he didn't ever have a daughter and he's not okay with that either so i i do love that they gave that level of weight to tony's character for sure and finally gave Pepper something to do other than just be the wife that's going, I wish you would come home and stop saving the world because that's honestly kind of selfish too. I get, you know, obviously being a wife as well that I would like my husband to be at home. But if you know that they're out there saving the world, that's kind of a bigger deal than, you know, us being just the two of us all the time. Um, so I like that they gave Pepper that opportunity to be a mother and have that to live for for herself as well. And then, you know, later on in the movie, of course, to wear the suit and get to fight alongside Tony to save people. So it all around, I think Tony's story becomes a lot of the center of this movie. Um, And I mean, even his last line, he gets to say what he said at the end of the very first Iron Man movie. I'm Iron Man. And I loved that callback. And it, the only times that I cried in this movie were about Tony. I cried when Spider-Man came back and I cried when Tony died. It's just effectively done because, like you said, they get to deepen the relationship between him and Pepper, which I really appreciated. And I really, you know, I think one of the cool things about them as a couple is that she understands him, you know, and when she mm-hmm. tells him, but will you be able to rest? You know, she understands the, the fact that she he has had this heart that has been blooming from Iron Man all the way to now, which is to help others, 
And this is this is the last iteration in, of that heart growing three sizes, you know, where mm-hmm. he is truly caring about not just himself and his own well-being, but that of others. And he can't stop and that that's not a bad thing. And she would never want to take that away from him because it's yep. the part of him that I think she loves the most. You know, and it, when she says, I, you know, th- me being able to get you to stop has been one of the great, you know, failures of my life. But I don't think she means that because she truly appreciates that that the reason that Tony has been doing a lot of these things is it's progressively gotten from protecting himself to protecting her to protecting his friends to protecting the world to protecting the universe. I mean, it's it's progressively grown greater and greater. And, and so and part of that has been, you know, the relationships that he's fostered. And we see that at his funeral, obviously all the lives that he's impacted, right? Um, and then we also see all the lives that ended up impacting him, you know, this this cyclical nature of, of relationship. And I think that's just really cool. So um, Clint turning into a murderous murderer was interesting. Like, um, I I don't know tons about Hawkeye, um, but I was, super, I, I, I don't know, it's just a very interesting storyline. And, I felt like it helped me feel like then when we got to Voromir that that I could understand why either of them could die. So I guess I was glad that they went this way. But it was an interesting storyline to choose, like to all of a sudden just go from like my family's dead to turning into a raving, raving murderous lunatic. Um, you know, I mean, I get he's killing quote unquote bad guys, but you know, still. <laughs> there, there is some of that darkness in the comics, not in every iteration of the character, but there, there are some series that are just like, yeah, okay, I see where that came from, because really his family is his balance, and without them, he is not, he's he's not really himself, and that darker side takes over, and uh, and he was scary. <laughs> He 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 was scary uh in in a good way because I thought you're going to come back from this buddy. You're going to get your family back. I truly believe that. But man, you are you have just really gone over to the dark side. And it took Natalie, Natalia, excuse me, Natasha. Actually her name is Natalia, but we'll we'll, we'll let that go. <laughs> um so yeah. It took her showing up to say, okay, you can't do this. You've got to come back. We've got to do something better. Not in that those words per se, but she's like the only one that could have brought him back. The only person left on the planet in the universe that could have gotten him to come back. So, yeah. It's, it's uh, interesting to me how close the relationship she has with Clint Yes. feels like very similar to the relationship she has with Cap in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like they have yep. very, very close, you know, relationships that just never cross that other boundary, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I just, I think that's really interesting. Um, and then in some ways she has that effect on both of them and they have that effect on her. Like they're just able, they need each other. Like, and I think that's really important. And I kind of, appreciate about that about her and clint is that they have this closer relationship but it has had never it hasn't had to go that direction and i think that's important because 
I mean, it they could have that pass. I don't know. We could you never know. Budapest could be them like having hooked up. I don't know. So um but at least up to this point, um, you know, we haven't seen that and it just feels like yes, they're very, very close, but it doesn't like male female relationships don't have to cross that boundary. I agree. And it's refreshing. Right. And I think that's really important. The same way male male relationships like that, female female relationships like the importance of friendship is 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 a is a key here to all of these people and their relationships, and it's what allows them all to be able to help each other in the end. And so I just liked that. Yeah, it's like they they understand each other, but that's why they never cross that line. Is that it, both Natasha and Hawkeye have been in this situation before? That he brought her out of being in the red as she called it and then now it was her turn to do that for him and so i think you're absolutely right brandy that she's the only one that could have turned him around again because he has that moment where he looks at her and he says you know like i don't remember the exact line but like i'm not capable of turning around and she's like you thought that i was so why aren't you and i just i felt like crying and i didn't in that moment but oh i did (laughs) I it did. was a beautiful moment. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, hey, guys, finally a Thor that I can cosplay as. <laughs> oh, um, come on. Yeah. No. You know, um, oh. everybody you like in the, the world was like, except for girls, were like, uh, just men were finally like, finally, a fat Thor. Um, Dad bod. Yeah, I, that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> which is weird because can de- how can a demigod get fat? But I anyway, that's. Besides Drinking alcohol is beer. so fattening. <laughs> I, I, I understand, but he's still a demigod. Um, so you'd think his metabolism would be, you know, heavenly. Uh, so Not if anyway. he just sits around playing video games. That's true. That's true. So I, I like where they're trying to go with this story. I think it's really good because I think it continues the, the perfection of the story. The One of the very few things that I actually really love about Infinity War was the story for Thor because it took the story from Ragnarok and gave it weight for me because they really had Thor dealing with the loss of his entire, you know, people uh, mm-hmm. and, that they didn't really do in Ragnarok because they made it a joke. And then this movie, they start off by doing it well and then they just make Thor a Ragnarok type joke again for the most part. And I I wish that they would have balanced the humor with him a little bit more so it came off not so slapsticky and much more dark comedy-ish um, because I think it would have helped the weight of what happens with him even more so because I think Thor's in a really dark place and I would have loved to have been able to experience the darkness of that place more than the slapstick of Thor's just fat and drinking a lot and turned into the dude. Yeah, see, right. I didn't see it that way at all. I saw it as, okay, he thinks he, he thinks he's the strongest Avenger. We know that. But he's got well, physical he is strength. when he's in shape. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. He obviously, I don't know that he could have fully taken on Hulk just, you know, punch for punch, but that's beside the point. Because I actually saw when, you know, when we first see him, I saw, you know, the stringy hair, the super long beard, 
That is a person who has gone to a place where he no longer cares about anything, including himself. And that actually broke my heart. So yeah, it's, it seems funny on the outside, but it's actually showing that darkness. And I have been in that darkness. And you don't want to do anything that requires any kind of responsibility. And so I actually liked that they did that because that was him for once, not ever stepping up to the plate and just drinking and wallowing. That's what he'd been doing for five years, drinking and wallowing. And just saying there's nothing left yeah, for me. There, but this. They, that's, that's just it. There is nothing. There is nothing but darkness left for him. And that's well, what and I that's, saw. Right. No, and I get that part. I'm just saying that that there's too much there's too much humor surrounding that for me to really I, I, I just I, I, I want them to like I didn't want Ragnarok humor in this. I wanted Infinity War humor where it was it was dark and it was like Thor is in a dark place and like he doesn't know how to do anything and I, I get what they're they're wanting to do. I just I didn't I, I just especially like when he has the conversation with his mother, like it's so awesome. It's such a great scene, right? And mm-hmm. then but they've been surrounding it by so much humor, it doesn't necessarily have quite the same impact that I want it to have because most of him is, I don't, it's just been too jokey. And so I, I wanted what you were talking about, Brandy. I wanted that darkness and I wanted that, like, I wanted it to be uh, gallows humor. But they went more with, like, you know, because they've got Korg there and everybody's, I mean, it's the right. whole thing is, is, is like Ragnarok. And I hated Ragnarok for that reason. Um, so, and I, I, I didn't think that that humor fit here with what Thor is going through, especially since he's in that place. Like you talk about where he's like, I don't want to, I don't want to do S, you know, and I'm not going to look at me. Like I don't, um, I sit around and drink beer and I play video games all day. So anyway, yeah, that's sorry. I do think though, the one redeeming part about having those little pieces, like teaming him up with rocket and having Korg and his little slug friend be there was that it his name is lightened it his name his name is what mick mick okay sorry (laughs) korg and mick uh was that it it lightened up the mood for me a little bit in a good way where i needed it to um because we're already dealing with so much heavy stuff um so I, i can see it from both sides but i i also love everything kiwi so hearing korg's voice made me happy me too i'm like yay they got taika back of course yay. they get taika back got everybody back everybody <laughs> and <laughs> it did make me laugh though having um it, it felt like rocket was constantly saying okay and then you're gonna distract her and i sneak up behind her and Ugh, get man. her with the thing he's he's the best okay so we we should probably get to the time heist part of the movie probably um so Tony can't stop. He figures out how to time travel. And we end up with these different teams. And the first one to talk about with Cap, Iron Man, and Ant-Man, where they go back to 2012 in New York, where there are two stones. There's the Mind Stone and the, I think it's the Space Stone. If I'm correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember the exact Yeah, I think it's because it. it's the Tesseract. Up. And yeah. it's the, the yeah. Scepter, which is the Mind Stone. So... 
Uh, and this, this, this whole, okay, where I was just talking about humor, I was so disappointed, Marvel. You missed the what could have been the best joke in the movie. When Cap sees himself and he goes, and I'm, I'm just, I'll bleep myself out so you won't hear this, folks, but, oh, you gotta be me. I wanted Tony to be on the line and be like, language, language. Cap. Like, it would have been the best joke of the movie and such made, a great callback. I made the joke in the theater. Yes! I actually made that twice. Yes! When, first, when they're going to go get Thanos, and he says, let's yeah. go get the son of a bitch. And I'm yes! like, language? Yes, yes. <laughs> so I was I was just disappointed that, that, that they missed that joke because it's so good. Um, but then he's like, hmm, that is America's ass. <laughs> See, that made up for it for me. I love it. <laughs> oh, it was great. It was great. Oh, I love And all that. the women in the theater went, it is. Yes. Mm. Oh, yes, it is. We hey, wholeheartedly I agree. I appreciate it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I thought this was a really, uh, you know, I liked all the layers to the scene. The moment when Cap says, Hail Hydra, and they make fun of the most ridiculous yes. comic book run ever, making, you know, Cap a Hydra agent. Um, it was perfect. Like, this is a really well-constructed part of um the movie and then of course you know having hulk have to uh talk to uh the sorcerer supreme and that whole conversation which was fascinating and so i just really liked this whole section and i had a, i felt like they did a really good job of combining everything from the first movie uh you know the first avengers movie and this and just making it work it 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 was i to me, this is one of the sections of the film where I just thought it, thought it was flawless. Um, and, you know, calling, you know, him, uh, you know, what is he? Uh, he's calling uh, Ant-Man like uh, Thumbelina and things like that. Just classic oh, yeah. stuff. So, I mean, just, um, yeah, the only thing then this, 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 this whole section that's not great is that um, they should have de-aged Robert Redford a little bit. <laughs> so he looked more like himself from... Uh, you know, um, Winter Soldier, because he yeah. doesn't well, quite but look then, the same anymore. So, but the de aging of Michael Douglas was oh. too weird for me. <laughs> the <laughs> hair, the yeah. hair, guy. the hair is so attractive, and this just was weird. Oh geez. man, classic. Well, yeah. and they do the same thing with John Slattery, and oh my gosh, you know, if you've seen John Slattery recently, um, of Mad Men fame as well. You know, he is definitely not looking like that. But I felt that was one of the best effects in the movie was making him look that age because he looked flawless. It was impressive. Yeah, it was really well yeah. done. And uh, I have to I have to just get this in really quick. When they first show up in New York and they're looking at Bruce like, um, you got to look like Hulk right now. So that you don't you get a Hulk suspicion. out, and he's just like half-heartedly smashing things. <laughs> yes. like, uh, yeah, yeah. Things. He tears his shirt. He's like just so gratuitous. <laughs> he's just like, Whoa. it's like yeah, okay, that, was funny. that I loved that so much. I also loved Ant Man's moment when he bends over and says, "Flick me." <laughs> I just, that was so wrong in so many ways. Oh my god. <laughs> So freaking funny. That's brandy. No, you're really small, but you're talking really loud. (laughs) 
good, Are good, you wearing good Axe stuff. body spray? Um, yeah, the Axe body spray. Oh, my God. oh so, so wonderful. I love, um, I think my favorite moment in all of this, though, is when they do end up back in 1970 because they've lost the Tesseract because Loki has taken it. Um, and, of course, uh, we had the disagreement and whether that means Loki's back for good or what they can do with that, which I'm sure they'll do something with it. Cause like you said, Brandy, they've got his TV show coming out on Disney plus. So, mm-hmm. and he's such a fan favorite. I could see them using that as a way to bring him back anyway. But I thought the best moment was the heartbreaking moment where Steve ends up in Peggy's office and, you know, he's watching her and, I just have to say this, um, and my friend Olivia, she's a real person. She can back me up. We were on our way to church the other night on Wednesday before the movie had come out, and I said, wouldn't it be great if Cap ends up being able to go back in time and spend the rest of his life with Peggy? So Mm. I called it! I Good was job. so happy when that happened at the very end. Anyway, we'll talk about that later. But um, I, it just, th- this moment does such a great reflection of, and I think this is, you can tell when you see the movie again too, like this is the moment where he makes that decision. Like if I get the opportunity, I'm going to, to live my life with her. Because um, there's such a regret on his face of yeah. not being able to have that dance, you know? And like... I just, it was a really, really, really well done scene. Um, and again, I think the editing of it, it's just, it's just perfect. Um, I do think that the the stuff we got with Iron Man and his dad is a little bit drawn out too much. It could have been, I, I feel like I could have edited it down just a little bit to make it a little bit tighter. Um, but I love Jarvis showing up there. So all in all, I really, yeah. I liked this part of, of the heist and it was very fun to watch them together. Well, and it wasn't even super um, it revealed that he was in Peggy Carter's office at first. It was funny because I, I was watching it with my husband and I actually tapped him on the shoulder. He was on my left and was like, oh my gosh, that's Peggy's office. Did you see on your left. Like on the, on the door. Yeah. And uh, and then later, actually, I was the one that of uh, the two of us that caught that Jarvis was the driver that he says, uh, hey, Jarvis. Um, so I thought that was funny. Well, I, yeah, that part I knew immediately because I recognized the same actor from Agent Carter, the short-lived television, television series. Only had two seasons. I was so sad when it was gone because I loved Haley Atwell so much. So much. And I loved Agent Carter. I loved it. But yeah. So I, I, and I knew immediately. I'm like, when he ducks into an office, I said, of all the places it's going to be, that's going to be Peggy's office. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. It was, it was just, it was really well done. Um. We end up with uh, Hawkeye and Black Widow going to Vormir. Um, unfortunately for them, they didn't realize they had drawn the short end of the stick when they got missions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ant-Man was right. You got to say not it because this is not the one you want to go on. And I really, I am so impressed that Black Widow has never have her had her own movie, and yet she has more characterization than Captain Marvel. If you put mm-hmm. all of her screen time together, she has about as much time as an entire movie put together. Um, 
And her characterization is so good. And I don't know if that's just Scarlett Johansson really playing the role uh, and making me care about that character uh, from her ridiculous introduction in Iron Man 2 um, all the way to, to, to now. You know, obviously the great work she does in Winter Soldier and, and, and the Avengers. And, like, it's so well done so that when she makes that choice, like, you know intimately like why she's making that choice that this is her this is her ultimate redemption this is her this is her atonement you know and and she wants to do it because she also knows that her friend if they're if they're lucky if they win her friend has a whole family to go home to she doesn't have that family and so yep. she unselfishly makes that decision. No, I'm not going to let you do this because you have much more to live for than I do. And it's just a, it's such a beautiful, I just, I love it. I absolutely love it. And I've always liked the character of Black Widow. I always felt like she deserved her own movie, but I'm still amazed that even though she's never had her own film, she feels like a fully functioning round character that, when she dies, I feel the weight of that death. I think that's really impressive. Very impressive. Yeah, that was the point at which I just started openly sobbing and didn't stop for the rest of the film. So, because I knew, I knew she was going to do that. I absolutely knew it. And I knew that she wouldn't let Clint sacrifice himself for the very reasons that you said, Matt. There was no way. He's, he had already saved her life. Now it was her turn. And she, she paid the debt. Yeah, I think that was her, clearly her biggest motivation through every movie was that she wanted to find some way to get forgiveness or to forgive herself for everything she had done prior to becoming one of the Avengers. And now this was finally her opportunity to do that. And especially, too, for not having a, a spouse or children to go back to, she knew that she was really the best choice for this. But I still love that they have the struggle of they both want to be the one to make the sacrifice and also don't want to be the one to see their friend die. And you really feel the strength of that friendship between the two of them. Um, and that, you know, it's not at all like someone who you barely know that you're up there with and it, it I think it really hit me right when they first start talking to the floating guy <laughs> the red um, skull yeah um I just left that later they were like yeah I don't know tell the ghost <laughs> um but you know it um even though there are a lot of jokes around it that you feel the the depth of that and you are sad along with him but you know that it had to happen so it it was beautiful in the like the poetic sense. Yeah, I mean it's just it, it it it's so effective. And again, it just shows how I think well done the writing has been for everything they've done for Black Widow over these films. And again, I feel like if you were to take all of the the footage of her and put it all together, you would have about an entire full-length film, right? Um mm -hmm. so but she's never gotten to have that standalone. But they've still done such a good job of creating a character 
to where you intimately know the ins and outs of who she is so that when she makes this sacrifice, you feel so invested in that happening. And it's just, it's just a great job. It, it, they have done, uh, to me, I, I feel like she is definitely the hallmark female character for the Marvel Cinematic Universe in the sense that it's the one they've gotten, they've done the best so far. And I'm really hoping that they can pick that ball up and run with it with some of these other female characters as well. Um, Cause I feel like they just haven't yet. Nobody's been able to reach her level of depth. And I think um, that's my challenge to you, Marvel universe, do it, you know, like give us another character, like uh, give us more characters, not just one, but you know, give us dozens of, of female characters that we care as much about black widow, you know, about them as we do black widow here in this moment like i just i feel like that's a thing it needs to be a thing anyway um sorry like just it felt like it's important right like it just we need more female characters like that um yeah, so thor and rocket um this is much more of a comedy show i cannot i could not believe that they got natalie portman back for like three seconds um, mm-hmm. it, I was blown away that she came back to literally do like three seconds of filming. Um, but the, the best part about this scene is one, the relationship between Thor and rocket, uh, when he slaps him and he's trying to get him, you know, um, in order. I think it's great. I love, I have mm-hmm. rockets. One of the best characters in the MCU. He's really become somebody that I love watching. I have to say the effects work on him is perfect. I never believe that he's not in the room. I think they always mm-hmm. do a great job with him. Um, and then Thor having the conversation with his mother, I thought was really wonderful. Um, that's the one part of his storyline. I feel like they truly nailed it in this movie that he is able to admit that he is fearful and that he, he doesn't feel like he, He's failed, you know, he's failed as a king, he's failed as a leader, he's failed in all of these ways he thought he was supposed to live up to, and I just really appreciated that she said, look, we all kind of fail with what we're supposed to be, what we need to be is what we, who we are, and how do we be the best version of that, and, you know, um, I think that's, that's pretty good advice for the most part, you know, like, be who you are, um, and uh, be the best version of that, uh, because what what people think we're supposed to be isn't always what's best for us, right? You know. And so, anyway, I just I thought that was a really really strong moment, and and I just love having Freya back. I, you know, Rene Russo plays that character with such poise and love, and like she just comes across as the best mother ever. So, I mean, I don't, mm-hmm. yeah, having her back on screen for a little bit of time, she was one of the things I really enjoyed about the Thor movies, actually. Yeah, I think every time Renee Russo has been the best actress they could have picked to play as mother and definitely gives it that warmth and nurturing and like, you know, out of the whole family, she's the one that really keeps the family together because of the love that she has for all of the men in her life. Um, and I, I think that you really understand that when you're seeing Thor looking at her and knowing that she's going to die and that there's nothing he can do about it, um, or that he wants to, but he shouldn't, um, is so painful. And, uh, and, and I like that Rocket gets to be the one to say, Hey, I've lost people too. And so have so many other people across the universe. 
and we just have to deal with that and we have to save what's left to save. We can't just sit here and dwell in the past and keep wishing that we could fix something that we can't fix. You know, all we can do is the best we can. And I like, too, that what Thor's mother says to him comes into play again later in the movie with him. And that he says, you know, I, I can't think about who I'm supposed to be anymore. I can just be the best version of me. Um, so I, I loved that, too. Yeah, I agree. It touches on a larger issue amongst humanity, I think, is that we, we are never properly taught how to love ourselves. And until you can truly love and accept yourself, you do not even know fully what you could be capable of or meant for. When you live your life according to someone else's expectations that a lot of parents just copy and paste what they want out of life onto their children because that was done to them. And so they perpetuate the cycle. And so when she says, you know, to just be the best you, that's kind of the message that she's giving. Be you. Be yourself. Love yourself. Like yourself. Have faith in yourself and don't tear yourself down like this anymore. Because mm -hmm. that's what he was doing. He was just tearing himself down. He's a failure because of this, this, and this. And she's like, stop. Don't do that. And well, that's... her lesson uh, of like, I, I just, I don't mean to interrupt Bernie, but I think, it, you know, she's also saying it's okay to fail because everybody fails, right? But yeah. you tried, you know? Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean just because it didn't work that time you give up. Like, I loved that lesson too because that's... I mean, the lesson of getting up from failure is so important as well. I agree with that because you learn from failures. There's not a single mistake in my life where I didn't learn something. Yes, you learn from your successes too, but you, we tend to dwell more on the failures because that's just the way we are as humans. We tend to focus on the things that we couldn't do rather than the things that we can do. And I struggle with that a lot of the time. I get sometimes in that place where my brain is reminding me, oh, remember that time back in high school when this happened and you did this or you didn't do that? And it just it can really create a downward spiral. And so that's the thing. We have to accept ourselves. We have to accept our failures and realize that doesn't make us a failure. Just because we failed at something, that doesn't mean we're less of a person. That doesn't mean our entire life is a failure. That means okay, I made a mistake. I'm learning from this. What have I learned from this? And let's take that into the future. Yep. It's not an easy thing to do, though, guys. It's really not. No, I mean, it, it's absolutely not. And I really appreciate what you said there, Brainy, because I think there is nothing that happens more often for us than in humans than to have our own selves throw our failures in our own face, right? And and to dwell in, on everything that we've done wrong and to not be able to move forward. And in many ways, you know, I think this is the beauty of uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And, um, you know, when Cisco at the very first episode, you know, the prophets say, but you live here, you know, and he's and that is not linear. Like we live in our failures sometimes. We just kind of wallow of them and we don't know how to get past them. And, you know, uh, for me, it's been a really uh, big, you know, spiritual lesson to learn about how to move past failure and, and to move forward out of that and not to live in that failure, but to allow grace to abound, right? Um, and to, to be able to 
forgive myself as I have been forgiven and to move forward. And I think, you know, Thor is really struggling with that. And part of that is because, you know, the people that he's failed, like his, like he feels like his mother, he can't go back and have those conversations with because they're dead. And so this is what makes this such an important conversation is he, this, this time heist allows him the opportunity to have this conversation that will move him towards healing. Um, and I think that's a really important thing that he also learns too, is that you can't keep things bottled up and, you know, you have to let things out. And like this, you know, motherly therapy session is exactly what he needed. And I just think that 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 little nod to like, and you know, this is really deep, but that little nod to, to mental health is so important there. And I really appreciated that because I've been in those places and, you know, having a counselor to go to, a therapist to go to and to talk those things out is is one of the things that has helped me overcome some things in life. And it's so important to be able to then admit that you can't do something and that you need help. And that's kind of where Thor mm-hmm. ended up. And luckily, he just ended up in mommy's arms. And sometimes that's where you need to be, right? You know? So I thought that was wonderful. It's a, it, That part of the storyline for him was a really good part of the story. And you know, I think for the rest of the movie, honestly, uh, his story actually gets a little bit more serious. And I think they handle it even better once they get back to Earth and everything. Um, and then, of course, it's just an all-out brawl. So, um, before we get there, though, we have one last group, and it's uh, War Machine and Nebula on Morag waiting for that idiot. Uh, I mean, uh, Star Lord. Um, <laughs> and I really liked this scene. Um, and I thought uh, this is the one that just takes the least amount of time. You know, they're not. There's not a ton going on, other than the fact that this is where we start to get Thanos back in the game, and. It's also the point where I have the biggest problem with the time travel aspect because I feel like they make a big mistake um, in this area um, because there's a, I hate to say the word plot hole, but there's a really big issue with the time travel here that ends up. But before we get there, I just, I did appreciate, I thought it was really funny the no-nonsense war machine with the no-nonsense nebula together, they are a very funny team together. <laughs> they are. They. Are, I wanted more yes. of that. Can we have the war machine nebula show? Because <laughs> I would be down for that. Just two people that don't take crap from anybody and are very logical going, this is ridiculous. <laughs> yep. But I did love that that was that scene from Guardians was where they put them yes. because I was dancing in my seat again. Both of us were, my husband and I together. And so it was it was a nice moment again, like to lighten the mood for a minute in the midst of all the sadness. Um, but it, yeah, the two of them do make a good team uh, until the twist that I certainly didn't see coming happen. And Thanos got to use Nebula because she's a living computer. That's I. Sh- I should have seen that coming. I feel like I should have seen that coming, because I thought there's no way that they can be going through time like this and not catch Thanos's attention somehow. But I right. didn't know how they were going to do that. And then you know, basically, oh, two nebulas in the same time on the same network. Uh oh. Yeah, you just use the Wi-Fi. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's password locked, man. No one else can get on that network. So if there's someone else on that network, it's got to be another Nebula. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's really funny. See, I, I, I thought that was really smart. Now, where I came up with an issue was that 
I didn't understand why Nebula runs to the ship and trying to tell them that Thanos knows instead of just transporting herself back to the Avengers in our time, quote-unquote, because it's her getting caught that allows Thanos to come. So what I would have liked to have had happen is for them to have found... They could have alleviated the whole thing for me if they had just, like, incapacitated Nebula so that Thanos could come pick her up. Um, otherwise, she should just be able to hit her wrist and leave whenever she wants. Um, and so... I thought it was broken, though. No, because they use that same thing to transport... I mean, they they use the pin particles and everything to, to make Thanos' ship smaller so that it can, you know, make it... Obviously, all of that technology works... Otherwise, they wouldn't be able to get Thanos from that time to, you know, the future. And so mm-hmm. it's like if they had just if they they just incapacitate Nebula somehow so she can't move, then they fix the problem 100 um, percent. And it, and it's like, OK, so she can't move. So, you know, they of course, they take all of that stuff from her and everything. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it became what I, I think I. I don't know. I think it's a pothole. I just wish they would have fixed that because otherwise um, it doesn't make any sense that she just doesn't, you know, transport back home basically real quick instead of being allowing herself to be captured because there's no reason for her to be captured. She should just be able to hit her wrist and go home. I don't know. Mm, yeah. I, I guess that was how I made sense of it in the moment was I said to myself, oh, it must be that her, you know, um, transporter is broken in some way and so then i just went on with it um but i get what you're saying and yeah i agree that they could have fixed that piece better to make it all make more sense but i I did did like that they made nebula end up having to shoot her past self to then be able to move on with the story because i mean talk about tough i mean what if like that meant she then never existed yeah, that's where time starts to get weird because this is yes. all theoretical. And yes. we, we don't, don't have know. time to talk about time, Brady, because we're you just saying don't back to the future is crap. <laughs> <laughs> There's no Hot time. Hot tub time machine. <laughs> oh, talk about wibbly wobbly and timey wimey. This movie yeah. definitely, the moment they start doing the time travel and trying to explain how they're not going to mess up time because. That it become your past becomes your future, and your future becomes your past. It's like, okay, you're like, I get wait, it. What? You're just you're you're trying to give yourself a blank check so you can do whatever you want with it, which I get. Um, but it does, the, and it's the problem with every time travel movie. It's just you create issues that you really can't solve yourself out of a lot of times because there's no logical explanation because it's made up, and so yeah. in the end you just have to go. It's a story, you know. Yeah. Okay, I'm done. Well, and I'm not going to even get into the tenets of quantum physics because then our brains will melt out of our ears. Well, and I, <laughs> I only do that for, you know, conversation. So. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. that's <laughs> what I do when I want to bore someone into not talking to me ever again. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and we don't have enough time. Yeah. We have no time. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, uh, the... I've only seen the movie once. That's all I had time for over the weekend. And so, but didn't when 
they were starting to transport back. Wasn't that the moment when Nebula started glitching? Yeah, she glitches so it keeps her from being able to shift. Mm -hmm. But again, after that, she's not glitching anymore. So she should, again, just be able to transport. And I was thinking through this, I was like, so maybe her uh, her stuff was broken or whatever, but then I was like, no, because they have to use that that those same things to be able to get Thanos from in his ship from the the past into the future, so that that equipment has to be functioning. So it, it so just became no about this moment it. where it's like if you had had one extra shot of seeing her. Um, being in the tractor beam and she's incapacitated as well so she can't move it's like you immediately rectify this this question of whether or not she should have just hit her wrist and gone so that she doesn't allow herself to be captured and then thanos could never get to the future because he doesn't have that a capability so um but you know you need him to capture her so he can get to the future so they can snap him out of existence in the end game, which we have finally reached uh, the final battle. And there's just so much to talk about here, but I don't think any moment was better in any Avengers movie than Cap finally picking up Meow Meow. Yeah! Uh, yeah! I tell you what, for the first two showings, there were no bigger cheers than when that happened, and he beat yep. the living crap out of Thanos for a while. And oh my gosh, it was just, it was so rewarding. And then, you know, even that moment when Thor was like, I knew it, you know, like it just, it feels so good because, and I think this is the thing that I really loved about this movie is that the Avengers movies, most of them, especially the first one the first one's through cap's eyes the second uh the, the in this this avengers movie is through his eyes um and i realized that when they go to space for the first time and they pan over and it's cap's eyes at, and you see space whizzing by in 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 the reflection in his eyes and like this movie is is lived through him and and his character arc here is being able to find the end where he can finally put down the weapons and live. And mm -hmm. this is his moment. Um, he Again, he's always willing to give his life, and he almost does here. Um, but that he will make that decision in the end to go live life with Peggy is that moment where he's he can rest. You know, Tony and him have both been people that have never been able to rest for kind of different reasons, but they became more and more the same reason. Um, and I really love that kind of mirroring with the two. And just, God, just cap story in general in this movie. You know, come to this end where he can pick up the hammer. He's worthy to pick up Meow Meow and just, you know, <laughs> lay waste to Thanos for a while. It was just the most cathartic, wonderful thing that's happened in an Avengers movie. And I, more than anything, just want to buy the new Hot Toys one six scale, you know, cap just because it's going to come with a hammer. And I'm like, I want that so bad. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I love that. As, and I loved when Thor was joining in as well, and they ended up with each other's weapons. Like, yes. oh, let's, let's, let's trade. Yeah, he's like, you have the small one. <laughs> yeah, that was cute. <laughs> oh, yes. man. So good. Loved so it. So good. 
loved that. Well, and it just, it, I think the reason why, too, we're all so happy for Cap to get that moment is because you do feel like throughout all of the movies that he just keeps getting beat down and keeps getting back up anyway. And so finally, he's got something that's like, yes, you are worthy and you deserve something. And, you know, can Cap get a win, please? Mm. <laughs> um, you know, and then getting to be with Peggy, I think, yeah. was just the cherry on top. Well, and and you like you said, Chrissy, you get that moment where can Cap have a win, and then you get that on your left, and it's just like that's the mm-hmm. other moment where the crowd just went nuts um, on the mm-hmm. Thursday night and the Friday night show. It was just like, just people were losing their minds, you know, as all of those portals open, and Cap says the famous line, "Avengers, assemble, assemble," and it's just. It's like finally we get to say that and we get to like lay waste to Thanos and and everything that he's wanted. And I just I mean, there are so many great little moments that happen with all of the Avengers, you know, in in this scene. But I felt like this is really a moment for our main Avengers. And that's, I think, overarching wise. The best thing they did about this movie was Infinity War and that they killed most of the other Avengers so that we are left with our core. And so mm-hmm. we are really, this movie is about Tony. This movie is about Cap. And and it's, you know, it's about those, those super core Avengers. Those are the ones we care about in this movie. And it's not like the other ones don't matter, right? But this is their moment to shine. And this is their end. And so we're going to give them such a glorious end um, that it'll be written about in the annals of history. You know, it's like a Lord of the Rings type of thing, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I just, I, I really, I think they, they did that really well. And, and I think, you know, the end battle could have probably been clipped down again. But at this point, I was just enjoying it too much to care. Um, you know, the editor brain started to be like, yeah, you could tighten some of this up and everything, but it, it, yeah, it was just, it was great, you know? Um, and, and in the end, to me, the, the center stone was just loving cap just you know, he's my favorite character in the Avengers anyway. So just seeing him, uh, get to do this stuff with this group surrounding him where, you know, I mean, yeah. Um, next to him, I think my other favorite moment was Wanda, <laughs> just laying into Thanos like and she's not even breaking a sweat nope um and I just love that um which is very interesting because you know when you think about it honestly her and Captain Marvel are probably about the same power level because they're both made with infinity stones yep so it is no wonder that she was laying waste to Thanos and he cheats in the end by raining down fire and you know you know almost killing everyone even his own troops um, so I just love that moment because, you know, she gets to step in and, 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 you know, avenge, uh, vision. And I thought that mm-hmm. was a really great moment. I just, I really appreciated that. Um, so, and I'm interested too, cause obviously she'll have her own show as well on Disney plus. So, um, yeah, that I, that was another moment that just really stood out for me. And I think it was just because we finally saw exactly how powerful she is. Yeah. And it, but still, for me, I feel like the biggest moments that stood out in this fight were um, Tom Holland coming back 
um, that was as Spider-Man um, because he and Tony, before Tony ever had, you know, the thought of having a daughter, that was like his son. He and Spider-Man had that kind of relationship. And so that was what was so heartbreaking for me about Infinity War was losing Spider-Man because you just see him disappear and they have that moment. Um, and so then now for him to come back, I was like, yes, father and son are together again. And then, you know, Tony dies and I'm like, no, not again. Um, I I think that that callback to, to Infinity War was a beautiful moment. And then that, you know, we knew we were probably going to lose somebody important to us in Endgame, um, and we lost a couple. And you know, it it's hard, but I, for me, for sure, Tony has become my favorite character and was the most meaningful to me here and the hardest to lose. And the crazy thing is, is that in the comics, he was basically like a second or third tier character for the longest time. And mm. Robert Downey Jr. brought that character straight to the forefront and made him yeah. somebody that everybody loved. And I love that. And I don't know if anyone else could have done it at quite the same level as Robert Downey Jr. And the charisma that he has with literally everyone he works with just blows my mind. And so it's just, it just I mean, he destroyed made me. a better actor, that's for sure. I mean, yeah. yeah Jr. Totally was great to work with. but yeah just uh i love that this whole journey actually started with the movie iron man Mm -hmm. and it ended with him as well um because you know i was thinking if you're gonna do avengers you're gonna start with cap because cap is always you know has is the heart the first avenger yeah he's literally the first avenger but I, but I was okay with it being Iron Man. I really, really was okay because they still gave me Cap later and they gave me a Cap that I can't imagine being better in live action in any way. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. It, it, it absolutely destroyed me when Tony did the snap and I'm just like, no, 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 no. This and Tony no. <laughs> got to be the twist that had, you know, the person wearing the glove. I did not expect that. He obviously thought- had a fail safe. Because yeah. Thanos still had the other gauntlet on, and he and <laughs> what did he have this a quick release happens. button on that? It's I mean, Tony's like, tech, you know, don't yeah. mess with Tony's tech. Yeah, don't. So. Yeah, so he and it's just that was the best part when Thanos snaps and nothing happens. Yeah, and that then was Tony's awesome. like, "Hey, or like he took all of them." <laughs> But I got to tell you, I was stressed before that part, though, when they're all going at Thanos trying to get the glove off again. I'm going, oh, my God. okay, maybe Captain Marvel's going to get it. Okay, maybe Tony's going to get it. (laughs) I don't know. I will say at the end, um, and this is where I do have a criticism of the film. And it's that. um, And I heard this of from a friend of mine um, who I do cinema stories with and she loves Captain Marvel. That's what got her into comics was Captain Marvel and Squirrel Girl. So she's a huge fan. Yeah. And so she was, she was very disappointed that Captain Marvel was nothing but a story tool in this movie, which I was disappointed in too, because she literally is nothing but a story tool. Like they need her in the beginning and they need her in the end, but we don't have anything to do with her in the middle because she's too powerful. So we just get rid yeah. of her. Um, and she doesn't have, like, there's just, 
there's and she has even less characterization here than she does in her own movie, which is weird because she's been Captain Marvel for like twenty years now, and it's like I she should be more whoever she's going to be now. Metatextually, that's because they hadn't even written her movie yet by the time they're filming this movie, so they don't really know who this character is. Um. But I just found it disappointing. Like, we have this really important, powerful character, and literally she's just kind of deus ex Marvela. So, and instead of being, like, an important actual character, she's, no, she's a story tool. And that I feel like they've got to fix that with that character because it's not good. Yeah, and mm. I can see your point. The, the thing is, is that I have a headcanon that was going on during that whole thing because... I've read the comics and I'm reading right. the current Captain Marvel series, which I'm very much enjoying. And she has, you know, she has a crisis of identity in the comics as well, trying to figure out who she is, what she's supposed to do. And what she really wants is just to be out there in space. She doesn't like being tied to earth. And even though she's had relationships with people, which nice, tiny little nod when they're having the hologram conversation with uh, Natasha and she, before she logs out, she turns to Rhodey and she says, be careful. It's the only person she talks to. Um, that's because they in the comics have had a relationship. So it was a nice oh. little note to that. Um, not really overtly, but a nice little thing for the fans to go, ah, but so in my head canon that she's off saving the rest of the universe while they're doing all of this stuff on Earth. Because like right. she says earlier in the movie, they don't have you guys. They don't. They didn't have a team of Avengers out there on all these other places. So that's what was going on in my head. But yeah, remarkably convenient for her to show up exactly when she's most needed. Right. right. Well, and, and I get that completely because, you know, I can be the same way in like a DC movie, but I still, uh, you know, because I'll know a lot more. But I, it, it's it's one of those things where it's like you... You can't do that. It's a movie, you know, and like yeah. more than half the audience has not read the comics. Yeah, um, no, I get that. I so, totally get yeah. that. Yeah, but... so I just, I wish, and I want her, I, I I, mean, the other problem is too, the Marvel Universe is about to rest on her shoulders and I don't feel like they're great shoulders to be resting on right now character-wise because she's not a character. She's just a thing that they've been using as a, she's just a tool and I we need her to be a character and that's what when I was talking about when we you know when we talked about Natasha they were able to make her such a character but she's only you know she, she's never a lead in her own movie in that I think I want to see them be able to transition that to the rest of these characters you know um, and they need to be able to do that because yeah they, they they've just lost their main Avengers now you know and like the rest of the series is up to the new kids on the block so uh, <laughs> and um, that's that's gonna be that's gonna be tough going I think you know you, you you've got a, a lot to live up to now and it's hard to live up to uh, you know a, a multi trillion dollar franchise you know Um so anyway, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, and two, I I felt like um, I really wish now that Valkyrie could have her own movie. I'm just saying. Uh, I would like yeah. to see a movie with a few of the ladies, frankly, forming their own Avengers team. 
because yeah. they they uh, they were pretty uh, pretty impressive when they were trying to get that uh, gauntlet to the van. And uh, yeah, oh, she's going to need help. Oh, she's got help, and all the ladies are there. It's like Although all I thought that was the funny because I was like, she doesn't need any help. She doesn't need anyone. <laughs> Because <laughs> she's Captain I Marvel. I wish they had and... done it a different way, though. You know. It felt a little cheesy in the moment to be like, and it's all the girls together. But, you know, I did like them teaming up together, too. And uh, my husband was most excited to see Shuri was back than anybody else. Yeah. And I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I I just, I I enjoy all the ladies. So yeah, I'm, I would be happy for all female Avengers team. Bring it. Okay. Yeah. So, so one question that I had for you guys, cause my wife and I were batting this back and forth is where's Gamora? Because at the end of the movie, she's not there and you get uh star Lord searching for her. Um, and so this is our theory that we came up with, and let me know if you think it has any validity. So, she was killed by the Soul Stone. You know, she's traded for the Soul Stone. She's, so, she's like Nat. She honestly can't be brought back like that. You know, um, she can be brought from the past, but that doesn't mean she's going to live even though she's been brought out of the past, Right. Because she, her destiny is set with the Soul Stone. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering how they get her back, or if they do get her back. Um, and the only way that we could come up with that they could possibly get her back is that when Cap returns the Soul Stone, that you can also return a soul. Um, and that, that may never have happened before, um, because who would return the Soul Stone? Um, so that, um, and that, it would have to be Gamora at that point because we know Scarlett Johansson ain't coming back. Um, so yeah, that was just our thought is the only way that we would get Gamora back at this point. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that because I was thinking about that as well. And I thought, well, if it takes a soul to take the stone, you should get a soul back when you give the stone back. So that's what I assumed had happened. I assumed that she was still around and would continue to be around, but she's now figuring stuff out because she's had a whole lot of stuff dumped on her that she hasn't experienced yet. And mm-hmm. so she has all these relationships that she doesn't know and doesn't understand because she hasn't experienced them yet. And, you know, everything that she thought her life was is now gone. And she's got to go figure out how the heck she fits into this now. Yeah, she's got to deal with everything that's just happened that people were all telling her like, oh, we were in love. Who are you? (laughs) That scene between her and Star-Lord was funny. Well, it was either him or a tree. Yeah. (laughs) You know. Slim Pickens. Yeah, that was funny. Um, Because, yeah, you know, I doubt that Drax was, you know, we know how he feels about other women other than his wife. So, you know, probably not appealing to him. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I or a raccoon. I mean, it could have been a trash panda, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I did love briefly getting back the empath. What was her name? Mantis. That's it. Yes, there you go. (sighs) Yeah, I loved briefly getting back Mantis and her little joke. 
Oh, knives. <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to come at each other with knives. Do you guys, okay, so we're wrapping things up. You think that Thor might be in the Guardians of the Galaxy 3? I think so. I hope so. I and do too. Here's another thing that was a little Easter egg for people like me. When he gets to the Milano and, you know, they're all together and he says, the phrase as guardians of the galaxy there is an as guardians of the galaxy comic currently running it is not <laughs> the same characters but there are a lot of fun things going on at that comic in that comic i enjoy it very much so i just went <laughs> he said as guardians of the galaxy i'm reading that and yeah. see for me it was avengers assemble uh, of course i was reading uh, avengers assemble yep of course I mean, uh, see, this is where I think that, you know, uh, they had turned Thor Ragnarok into pretty much a Guardians movie anyway. So this is where I think you totally should just let him go with the Guardians. And then he can do all of that humor that Chris is so good at, which, I mean, if you've seen the preview for the new Men in Black movie, you know he's phenomenal at humor. Oh, and yeah. so, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I think this is a good place. And I think it would be really fun to see him with them. Um, you know, I honestly, too, when you think about it, none of them are super powered anyway, really. So they could probably use an actual super powered being with them, um, especially if they maybe mm -hmm. follow up on the end of Guardians of the Galaxy 2, you know, with Adam Warlock and all that yes, stuff. Yes, so, yes, yes. You know, I because think they haven't need, paid that off yet. No, they haven't. They're going to need Thor's help. So, yeah. um, well, I, we could keep talking about this movie. There's so many things that probably we didn't cover, but... I wanted to ask, you know, Brandy, you know, you're such a huge Marvel fan. And um, so Endgame, you know, uh, how did it end for you ratings wise? I have to say the 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 last question that I had about the film was answered at the end of the film because I'm like, OK, who's going to be the next cap? Because it was either going to be Bucky or it was going to be Sam. And I didn't know which one they were going to choose. And so when Cap shows up again. After he doesn't come back, and I, when, when he didn't reappear after five seconds, I knew exactly what he'd done. And then they see a, a silhouette sitting on the bench, and I'm like, oh, it's old man Rogers. And that was just some, the most beautiful way that they could have done that. Just kudos. It was amazing and wonderful and perfect, and I was so happy. Because that was, that was the ending I wanted for him. If I never get to see Chris Evans as Captain America again, that was the best send-off they could possibly have given him, and I'm so glad they did that. So, and I mean, he ended up looking like Clint Eastwood, so I know. how I bad am, is that? You he's going to be like, mm, when he gets older. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I honestly, I, I give this like 20 old man caps out of 10. <laughs> it's just... I just loved it. Just absolutely loved it and can't wait to see it again. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to have to be in the same boat with you. You know, there were little things maybe here and there that kind of bothered me, but not enough to take away points for me on my score. Um, my biggest struggle was what to rate it with. And I think I, I naturally, like I said, go back to the making the joke about things to make myself feel better. So I'm going to say I give it 10 out of 10 of Rocket's little stabby sticks <laughs> yes. that he was going <laughs> to 
get her oh, with. Oh, there's nothing it's better like than having a, her and then we're gonna an, e- an ether sucker, you know? So yeah, yeah. It's more like an angry <laughs> sludge. It's not a stone. Yeah, um, it's so. not a stone. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> um, you know, I I agree with you, Brandy. I, I actually really liked that they went with. Um, you know, Falcon to be the new cap. I mean, obviously that's something that's been in the comics and I think they've been setting that up really for a long time. And, uh, I'll be very interested to see where they go next with that, you know, um, because it, it is interesting, you know, to be cap part of that is being a super soldier and, and he's not a super soldier. He's just a man then with a shield, literally. So I'm going to be interesting to see how they go with that. But, I I really like him as an actor, and uh, I think he could pull off being the new Cap really well. And um, mm-hmm. I think he has the same earnestness that Chris Evans brought to the character, so that's really important. Um, so yeah, I adored that part. And and like you said, Brady, that moment where they do the old man Rogers, and you see the wedding ring. You know he's gotten married to Peggy. Um, you know, and he's like, no, I, I don't think I will. Um, about the girl and. And then, of course, they end on them dancing, and it's just it's just the best moment. And, you know, uh, I really liked this movie, you know, and I think this is one of those things that I can be critical uh, of Marvel movies that I think I need to be critical of because I don't think they live up to the standard. But, you know, this cracks my top five Marvel movies. Uh, it's number five. Um, I really liked this movie. I saw it three times this weekend. I like it so much. And that's three hours investment, mm. folks. So, I mean, it lets you know how much I really enjoy this movie. And I would say that this is four out of five broken cap shields um, because it's mm. just, it's really good. And I think they, you know, for the most part, they are able to pay off everything that you want. And the best part of this movie, when they make the callback to cheeseburgers, uh, with Morgan and mm-hmm. you know when Happy says I'll get you all the cheeseburgers you want I mean that's the most emotional scene in the entire, entire movie for me um, because he's lost his best friend um, she's lost her father and it calls back to the very ending of the original Iron Man movie uh, or when he gets back you know from the desert you know and wants an American cheeseburger and it's just it's so great, you know. They they really were able to wrap up this in Infinity War saga um, well, and it makes me wonder. There is a big part of me that would say I would like the Marvel universe just to end here, because <laughs> um, I don't know how it could get any better. You know, you went on mm-hmm. on such a high, and I feel like they have really set the bar so high for themselves. It is going to be very tough for them to live up to this. So. Um, they really do have their work cut out for them, but this was was great. I loved it. I really did. So, uh, and I'm glad we got to spend uh, an hour and forty minutes talking about it. So, uh, I <laughs> hope everybody enjoyed listening to it. I cannot wait to hear what people have to say in the Babel conference. So, please join and talk with us about this. Hit us up on social media. Thank you so much to our associate producers Ken Tripp, Davis Grayson, Wyatt Millette, and Daniel Noah for supporting this show through Patreon to make sure it comes to you each and every week. But not just this show, the entire network. Now, we are a huge network. We have so many podcasts coming out each and every week. There's no way that we can support this on our own. So please go over to patreon.com slash trekfm. Become part of our team. We've got some great contribution levels where you can get some extra perks. But honestly, folks, every little bit truly, honestly helps. 
And all of that money just goes to making sure that each of these podcasts gets supported every week and that they come out the best quality we can get. So again, that's patreon.com slash trek.fm. Brandy, I am so glad you got to be here for this one. Um, I know how much you love these movies and you love these characters. And I love getting to ha- talk to you about them because you you help me understand things that I don't ever understand about the Marvel movies and the comics because you're so versed in that lore. So it's great to have you as part of the team. Uh, you know, if anybody wants to catch up with you and see what else you've got going on, where can they find you? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Brandywine12, and you will always find me lurking around the Babel Conference. Sometimes I might be absent for a while because work is very busy and life can be very busy. Uh, you can, someday, when Discovery returns, you can find me on Live from the Edge. Meanwhile, you can still watch all those videos on the uh, Trek of M YouTube channel if you want to see me cry like a sieve coming of water coming out of my face, go watch the one about the season finale of Discovery. I don't think I've ever cried that much on camera in all my life. And uh, you can also hear me from time to time on the Twilight Zone podcast, which you can find at thetwilightzonepodcast.com uh, with my friend Tom Elliott as we are going through the revival or new incarnation or current series of the twilight zone that is currently streaming right now on cbs all access i'm not on every single episode because there are a lot of voices that want to be heard on that but i have uh i have my share up on that so you can find that again thetwilightzonepodcast.com okay i'm gonna have to check that out because i love the twilight zone oh Uh, please (laughs) you will love that (laughs) podcast just go back and start from the beginning if nothing else tom's voice will hypnotize you into loving everything about the podcast Ooh, okay (laughs) uh and of course uh you can find me uh christy on twitter and instagram at bespin bell uh, and then when I'm not on the 602 Club every week with Matt, uh, I'm also once a month doing a segment on my friend's show, The Star Wars Report, called Fashion in Five uh, for men's and women's Star Wars fashion once a month. Uh, and then I'm on, now going to be on two more new podcasts, uh, one called Planet Leia that's going to be once a month on Fanthatracks Network. Uh, and then also going to be doing a brand new one we just started, my friend Teresa and I, called Sabers and Spells which is going to be about everything Harry Potter, Star Wars, Disney, fashion, makeup, anything geeky that we want. Nice. Yeah. So stay tuned for that. And you can find me on uh, Letterboxd, Twitter, and Instagram under the name MattRushing02. I'm here on the network also doing The Orb with Chris Jones as we talk about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Uh, Coming to you soon will be some new episodes, especially as we're going to be talking about the uh, Deep Space Nine dock uh, as well as some other things, so make sure you look for that. You can find me uh, on the Nerd Party Network doing two shows. One is Owl Post with Drea Kaufman. We go through the Harry Potter chapters one chapter at a time, so we're going through the entire series. We're in the middle of the Order of the Phoenix right now, so it's a lot of fun. And uh, you can also find me doing aggressive negotiations with John Mills talking about all things Star Wars. So if you love Star Wars, this is really the show for you. Just two guys sitting down talking about something in Star Wars. You know, it's it's as simple as that. And then last but not least, I mentioned her earlier, but you can find me uh, doing a show called Cinema Stories with my good friend Courtney, and that is where we talk about films, but through the f- lens of faith. But 
Thank you so much for joining us. And y'all come back now, you hear? 